Welcome to the Huxley Morton podcast, insights into the world of clinical trials. Today, I am joined by Chris Witowski, the CEO and co-founder of Silera Biosciences over in Tampa, Florida. Chris, great to have you on the show. Um, you and I have spoken previously, but give us a little bit of an intro as to, to you, your role, your company, and just some of the great things that you guys have been doing at Silera over the past past year or since you since you started, really. Yeah, thanks for having me, James. Uh, I'm glad to be here and share my story. So uh, thank you and to your listeners for, uh, for tuning in. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cellular Bioscience. Uh, you know, throughout today, I might mention the word we, uh, but that would be my, my fellow co-founder, Dr. Jackie Salm. So we actually go back uh, to 2011, where we were working on our PhD studies at the University of South Florida. And mm. We're natural products chemists, so trying to find new drugs from nature. Uh, predominantly, most of the drugs on the market now, over 50, 60 percent, are derived yeah. from natural products. So it's a great starting point in the drug discovery world. And you know, for a long time, really since the antibiotic bust, um, you know, several decades ago, the the pharmaceutical world really had transitioned into a lot of synthetic uh, compounds and drug discovery. Mm. So we had been talking, you know as early as 2011 about starting our own company and working more on the natural product side and bridging that gap from drug discovery, natural products into commercializable therapeutic options. And, mm -hmm. you know, we had, we had followed the industry a long time. And, you know, actually in 2015, when I joined uh, the cannabis industry as the chief scientific officer of AltMed, yeah. uh, really that was kind of a great bridge into utilizing my skill set in natural product drug discovery into more formulation development and into you know a marketed product at the end of the day and having spent five years within the cannabis industry really kind of gave me a lot of insight into kind of how the small business works how a startup works uh you know i was the fifth employee at altmed now there's over 700 wow so certainly you know really following along that story and you know kind of a similar landscape as a startup industry not only hmm. just a startup business so uh, we founded Silera back in July of 2019, and really the first six months was getting a, a survey of the landscape of what had been done. I mean, these compounds, uh, really, to give you some background on Silera, I guess maybe that's a good place to start. Uh, so we're, we're reimagining psychoactive natural products, including the psychedelic natural products like psilocybin from magic mushrooms, and mm. utilizing that in a more pharmaceutical regimented uh, option. So I see. We'd, we'd started this company back in July of 2019, and mm -hmm. really a lot of the discoveries have happened in the 1950s and 1970s, and then, uh, you know, the, the prohibition happened for the last several decades. So there was a lot of prior art and research that had been done into these compounds. So now we're, we're figuring out sort of what looks promising based on initial studies done decades ago and how we can leverage that into sort of the modern drug discovery world with new tools and technology that we have in order to advance these sorts of therapies. Okay, so yourself and Jackie both come from the, from the science background and now you've gone into the, the business world. So you are scientist owned and run effectively, com completely. Yes. And in, yeah. terms, in terms of what you're doing, it, it sounds as though it's, it's pretty much all new era mindful medicine using research that had been done years ago and putting, I guess, yeah, a, a modern age spin on these things um, to bring new products to, to market, right? 
Yeah, so natural products, while they're a great starting point for drug discovery, they're not always the best drugs. One, generally they're producing very low yields by the, the host organism. Uh, there's sustainability issues with that. Obviously, it's a complex mixture, and you know the, the easiest pathway towards pharmaceutical products is a single compound. Um, and a lot of these natural products aren't very stable or bioavailable. So what we're doing now is trying to optimize some of these compounds so we can deliver them safely, efficiently, um, and produce more um, kind of outpatient therapies. So many of the psychedelic therapies now are in clinic. Uh, you have a psychedelic experience with a trained psychotherapist, and you have meetings before and after these sessions to kind of figure out what the root problem is. And there's a lot of uh, interest and, um, you know, therapeutic value with PTSD and some of the clinical trials being done with MDMA, yeah. as well as psilocybin with depression. So we're trying to adopt some of these principles now that have been done and integrate it more into a smaller dose outpatient therapies, because uh, there's, there's a large population of people that have mental illness and mm -hmm. Right now, these clinical settings aren't conducive to people with certain mental illnesses. So we're trying to address a larger market. Sure. So I guess with that, I guess mental illness, mental health, it's becoming more and more publicized these days. It's more accepted um, within society, et cetera. Um, but with that, I guess the patients that you need to test come with their own problems, I guess, you know, insecurities, anxieties, et cetera. What sort of challenges are you facing on that side of things because this is yeah for me you know everyone knows about oncology everyone knows sort of various therapeutic areas this is kind of a little bit out of the box as it as it may be what yeah. additional challenges do you guys face and how do you overcome them in terms of communication to, to your target sort of market as it may be yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, a lot of these compounds are scheduled substances within the U.S., which makes uh, research and development of them a little bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. So we actually partner with the University of South Florida, and we're part of their incubator program. And we've submitted our application to the DEA as well as the FDA in order to mm -hmm. start researching these Schedule One compounds. So that's one way that we're kind of bridging that gap in between, uh, you know, the legitimized uh, drug discovery manner of this uh, of this work. Yeah. And you mentioned in the mental health arena. So unfortunately, with COVID, you're seeing a lot of more isolation, substance abuse, depression, mm. anxiety associated with all the troubles of the world that are have gone on, frankly, in this year. And uh, it has been an issue even prior to this year. And largely what you see with mental health illness is it's not just one indication. It's not, not depression, sometimes you have a trauma that induces the depression that goes along with it. And uh, a lot of comorbidities with substance abuse. And really what you're seeing with these uh, psychedelic compounds is the ability to essentially rewire the brain and create new connections wow. um, and really change the paradigm. It's not masking the symptoms as a lot of uh, current um, therapeutics do, it's yeah. actually tackling the root cause and being able to break through sort of those, the default mode network, which is sort of your brain telling itself, oh, I'm depressed or, oh, I have substance abuse. I need this. Mm. You can break that cycle, which is really having a lasting impact on a lot of patients. Sure. And, and yeah, I, I guess you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It is that, it's that inside job, isn't it? It's, you know, 
breaking it down a, a set of, of paradigms, which effectively is just a, a group of, of habits that people have developed over the years and they've become almost become reliant on those habits as a way of, of dealing with things. And you're just trying to, I guess, press, you know, on off <laughs> as it may be in, in the IT world that that solves a lot, but, you know, completely re rewiring. It's not as simple as, you know, turn it off, turn it back on again with uh, when we're talking about people, but effectively that is what you're trying to do in a, on a, yeah, over over time is just rewire what's going on as an inside job rather than something that is preventative maintenance for future, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, and the serotonin system, which largely we're focused on and many of these compounds are um, targeted towards, uh, it's been well studied. We know how they work. There's many drugs out there that target the serotonin system. So it's certainly a new mechanism of action, which mm. I think in the mental health arena is certainly needed. Um, and it's not just a modulation. It's actually breaking the cycles, as you mentioned, which really has a lasting impact. After one or two large psilocybin doses, for instance, patients have over a year-long efficacy. Mm. So instead of taking a large dose and having some of the side effects associated with that, as well as cost to the patient, as well as the provider in order to have uh, supervised training um, and uh, supervised uh, experiences with these compounds. We're trying to make it a smaller dose, more regimented take home. And there are some side effects associated with, with these compounds. And we're looking to tackle some of those as well uh, mm. in our drug development pipeline. Sure. Okay. Well, before we come on to, I guess, what you're now doing on a day-to-day -day basis and how COVID has affected the whole situation for you. Um, I always just like to almost rewind a little bit and just establish how you got back, you know, or how you got into the industry to start with. So, you know, it's, you touched on the, upon the fact that you were from the cannabis industry, you've come over to, you know, found your own, own business and, and that's always an exciting jump. But just go back to, you know, high school, college, you know, what, what made you decide that you were going to go down this route or you know was was there other paths that you had mapped out for yourself previously both both you and Jackie I, I guess because you kind of if you yeah studied together and now you've gone into business together I, I guess it's probably a, that feels like a, a joint thing for both of you right oh yeah certainly and you know I think there's never any a straight line into you know a particular path so you know for me personally I'd always been scientifically inclined actually living in Florida, we've always been hit by hurricanes. So the weather has always fascinated me. And it wasn't until high school where I started taking, you know, upper level physics and chemistry courses that, you know, sort of that uh, form of science and research really started intriguing me. And uh, I took my first chemistry lab in, in high school. And it was, I guess you could say love at first sight and really never looked back for me. And uh, I got my uh, undergraduate degree in chemistry and was focused more upon environmental science and green science in ways that we could obviously with uh, a lot of the, the issues with our planet, how yeah. we can start to tackle some of those problems. And that's kind of how I found myself into a natural products uh, drug, drug discovery lab and, mm. you know, utilizing some of what nature has in order to create new beneficial therapeutics. And Jackie had already uh, done her, her undergraduate work in that lab, and we started in the, uh, the graduate program right about the same time. Yeah. And we'd always kind of had this vision for natural products, but we know, 
having been trained in this for a long time, some of the limitations of some of this work. So mm. trying to bridge that gap in between a natural discovery, and obviously there's a lot of therapeutic promise with some of the compounds that we're talking about now, but utilizing that on a large scale in order to help, honestly, millions of people. Yeah. Okay, amazing. And well, I guess that's sort of going back, and it almost seems like it, it's not necessarily been a straight line, but it has been a natural progression from one thing to the next arriving to where you are now. I guess the, the big jump for me and, and for any entrepreneur, you know, I've, I've been there myself in terms of, I've been at a, a company, I was top performer. I've then moved and decided that I'm gonna go it alone because, you know, you have a passion and belief of, of how the things should, should work. What put you in, in the position or what, you know, what was that catalyst for you to, to say, okay, I'm leaving, you know, a comfortable, I'm assuming it was a very comfortable job, you're doing well, um, you know, the company's now gone on and been more successful, really grown, to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, go alone, I'm gonna, you know, take that entrepreneurial step and, and um, press the, the trigger as it may be to, to go with you and Jackie on your own and set this up um, as of July last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, um, you know, it was kind of uh, tough to make that transition into entrepreneurship, but, um, you know, really, I was at the ground floor of a cannabis company, and they were focused upon the science, uh, the science of medical cannabis actually was their motto. Mm -hmm. So I was their one of their first hires, obviously, their first scientist, and um, along the way had developed a lot of unique formulations uh, using THC and CBD derived from the cannabis plant. And help them develop business models and budgets and mm. the cannabis industry within the U.S. and you know globally is very fragmented. So you can't just have one one location where you can produce and ship all throughout the U.S. or the world. It's very fragmented state by state. Mm. So part of my task initially was to write a lot of the the procedures and follow uh, some of the the regulations in setting up a facility in one state and then translating that model into various other states. So uh, with all med, they're, they're in uh, Florida and Arizona, vertically integrated. And now they started licensing out uh, their product line, which actually Jackie and I helped develop and have patented now mm. and licensing that technology into a few other states, into Canada now. And, you know, throughout my time, I had managed over a hundred employees and, um, you know, really kind of saw how to run a startup. And, mm. you know, the cannabis world is very fast paced. There's a lot of competition. So I think there's a lot of translatable skill sets that, you know, I've learned from the cannabis and, you know, applying now to the psychedelics industry. Yeah. And like you said, it was, you know, challenging to say, okay, here I am, you know, I've, you know, kind of hit the the ceiling, at, so to speak. Uh, as the, very, It's easy to get comfortable at that point, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful for the job and the role that I was put into and, you know, what we were able to create. And there was still this kind of, I would say, burning desire in me to, to really do that next level of clinical research, and whether that be with cannabinoids or, you know, kind of following along with what's been happening with psilocybin and MDMA, how we mm -hmm. can translate some of these into now the clinic. And, um, you know, seeing some of the data that was uh, put out by Compass Pathways at the beginning of last year on, you know, 80% effectiveness for psilocybin for clinically depressed patients. I mean, that's, that's kind of a breakthrough uh, that we haven't seen in the mental health arena in many, many years. And both Jackie and I, we do have familial issues with mental illness. Uh, 
uh, whether it be substance abuse and traumas. Uh, her father is a rare form of dementia. My grandmother uh, passed away several years ago with Alzheimer's disease. Mm. So we know how debilitating these can be. And, you know, the standards for care currently really aren't uh, all that effective. So, you know, when you kind of combine all those things and, you know, it did take a bit of leap of faith to say, okay, let's do it. And, you know, let's make the leap into, you know, creating this company and, you know, a startup as well as a startup industry. So, um, right. you know, looking yeah. back, I, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. It was tough, but here we are uh, almost a year and a half later. And again, I wouldn't change it for the world. Going well. Yeah. No, look, interesting that I guess there is those personal connections and, and that's created that burning desire and I think that anyone starting a business needs to have that otherwise you can end up falling flat because there's so many times I've had it myself where things get tough there's problems that you didn't envisage um, and you just yeah you, you can't plan for it because you've just not been there before even though you've been inside businesses that you can pick up you know what's how they've done things but behind closed doors you just never know what's going on and, and what the actual business owner has to sign their name to in order to sometimes get stuff done so um no it's a i think it's a credit to anyone who takes that leap of faith and, and makes that jump um so look i guess we're now kind of some time on since you you started the business covid has, has kicked off you know no one planned planned for that whatsoever uh, i know as a business we've had to pivot quite a lot a lot we've gone remote with our workers you know we've invested in all sorts of new innovations to help our, our teams work remotely and um have a, a stress-free free life working from from home what you know what the hell does your typical day look like now compared to what it what it did previously I mean, you know what are the what are the best parts of the job what are the worst parts of the, the job um I guess, what tips would you give to anyone else maybe aspiring to do what, you, what you've done, uh, you and Jackie have done, and take that leap and, and sort of get into, um, you know, this market that you're now in? Yeah, so in some ways, we've been very fortunate to be working with the university. And, um, you know, the university itself right now is mostly uh, virtual online courses. So uh, they've remained open, but in a very limited capacity. Mm. So we haven't really had much of a lull in our, our, our research and in our laboratory, which has been helpful, certainly. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, it, it's created a lot of uh, shifts in culture and work. Uh, daily life. And, you know, especially in those early days of the pandemic, I was mostly working from home, a lot of uncertainty in the world and wouldn't want to put myself or my loved ones at risk. Yeah. So, you know, it was uh, a little challenging, I would say, to balance sort of your workday versus your, your non, you know, living your life and, you know, when yeah. to say, okay, enough is enough. I need to go to bed now, as opposed to just, live, you know, I'll send a couple more emails or read this article or whatnot. So I would say it's taken a little bit of uh, a bit of a routine for me to kind of say, okay, now it's time to, you know, live my life a little bit and switch off know. sometimes. I, th I think that's often what entrepreneurs struggle with probably the most sometimes is actually switching off because when you're, when you're running your own business, it doesn't feel like work, does it? It's, it's what you would choose to do in your spare time often anyway. I, I know yeah. that that's how I feel. 
Oh yeah, certainly. And it's, it's different when you actually go to an office and okay, you're home now. So you, there's a, a physical switch that you can see and feel But when you're at home all day, it's, I would say a little bit more challenging. And, you know, certainly I've, I've been able to, to overcome a little bit of that and being in the lab more every day uh, has, has helped a little bit with that and being hands-on on the research aspect. And that's a very important part of our business, not just um, some of the things that we can do virtually, business development and, you know, interacting with investors and collaborators at, you know, other universities. Mm. And in some ways, I think um, that has created a little bit more free time for people. Uh, let's just say you don't have to commute. 30 minutes one way, 30 minutes another way. That's a whole hour of your day that you get back for, you know, maybe a normal person. Mm. So we have been able to, to interact a lot more with, uh, you know, I mentioned investors, but as well other research collaborators. Uh, so we, we've struck up a partnership now with the National Institute of Drug Abuse wow. and, you know, have, have really been able to, to kind of forge some relationships um, it is certainly a bit strange and doing it kind of virtual and not the face to face, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, but granted, we have the tools now that uh, make life a little bit easier on that side of things. So, you know, I think with everything, there's a bit of a silver lining. So we're trying to find that where we can. Sure. Look, I guess you touched on investing as a couple of times there. I know that when you and I have spoken previously, you know, you guys were pretty organic. You, you've done a lot of self uh, fundraising, friends, family, a lot of people, you know, for me, that's always a good thing to see because if friends and family are willing to buy into a, a company, it means that they, they, they have faith in the, the leaders of, of that business. Um, mm. ha, in terms of things, how they've progressed, have you now had investors sort of biting your arm off to start getting involved in some of this sort of stuff? Because it's interesting. I, I would just imagine that because it's an, I mean, it's a new concept to me, certainly that there would be a lot of interest from, from external investors. I mean, how's that side of things going And what would you say to potential investors that are, are listening in terms of, you know, the, the benefits that you guys are bringing to market? Yeah, certainly there's there's a lot of interest uh, focused upon psychedelic medicines. And really this year has been a, quite a boom for the industry in general. You've got a lot of companies now that are publicly traded and that kind of makes it a little more accessible to, to more and more people. And, uh, you know, for us, we really haven't had to do a ton of outreach and, you know, this the typical social media and LinkedIn actually how we connected yeah. is really how we found a lot of our leads and you know we are a small company as you said kind of bootstrapping ourselves up until now but looking at what we need to do on the the clinical research side certainly we're going to need some external funding and you know we kind of started this process in august and have had conversations with a number of venture capital groups biotech investment groups and you know certainly um like I said, there's there's a ton of interest because the potential that these compounds have long term, I think it's going to disrupt the whole uh, notion of, um, you know, sort of the the antidepressant markets and mm. you know many mental health illnesses. And you know we've we're we're hoping to close our round out by the end of the year, and we have terms from a couple of different investment groups. So. Amazing. Yeah, and it's it's been great, and you know we're we're looking to find very strategic partners because we know this is kind of a long term venture. In order to bring new compounds to market, it's going to take some time. So we want to make sure that we find the right strategic people in order to to bring us to you know our ultimate goal. 
Sure. And yeah, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, look, I, I can imagine that there would be a lot of people looking to, to invest and, and to buy in. Whenever I look at these things, I look at it. I mean, I'm, I'm a recruitment business owner. We introduce people to, to companies. And I guess we have to have that individual invest in whatever company we're recruiting for. So we look for where there's a, a match. And normally, as much as there's a company behind it, it's normally who's going to be their manager, who's going to be their leader and vice versa. It's that personal connection. Um and look, I've, I've not met Jackie, I've, I've only met, met yourself, but I find you, you know, a bright, young, enthusiastic individual. And that is why, you know, I think that you would be getting you know, the offers that you are. So I'm sure that it will work out and you will hopefully have that opportunity to select somebody who is a strategic partner rather than sometimes people, they don't have a load of offers. So they have to just go down whatever route there, you know, is, is, is on the table. So it's yeah. so you 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 put yourself in a good position, Chris, by the sounds of things. Yeah, we've taken our time, and you know, due diligence is kind of a two way road. So you know, mm -hmm. we we pride ourselves on doing that. And you know, I mentioned the interest. It's it's obviously from the investment community, and there's a lot of people now that are specializing, particularly in psychedelic medicine. And you know, we are in that category. But you know, we've also had interest and in, uh, conversations with major pharmaceutical companies. So. There's also interest, you know, on a, on a larger scale to ultimately, you know, the types of uh, business communities that we ultimately will interact with. So, right. yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it, it's I think we're at the very precipice of kind of a new age in mindful medicine. Mm. Well, look, that that all sounds um, fantastic. I guess in terms of, I guess slightly outside of your field, um, sort of moving forward. But uh, at the moment, there's been huge talks about. The, the vaccines um, with you know Pfizer, Moderna, Oxford, AstraZeneca. Um, but tell me about, I guess, your thoughts on the, the vaccines. You know, do you think they're safe? Do you think they're going to be sustainable? How's the supply chain going to, going to work on it? I mean, don't go into to too much detail because I, I think we could all talk about these things all day long. But give us a, a quick snapshot of, of your thoughts on, on those things because. Um, yeah, a lot of people have been asking me um, and I'm also interested to know myself because I, I don't have the answers <laughs> and not many people do, but it's, it's interesting to hear people's thoughts and opinions. So, you know, truth be told, I actually uh, signed up for uh, the clinical registry, um, I would say back in the summertime here, you know, I would have been a, a volunteering guinea pig, if you will, uh, for some of the vaccine trials and, um, you know, looking at some of the data that's come out, I do believe effectiveness it's certainly there i think it produces the immune response and protects uh you know the vaccinated people from future um uh, uh illness mm. so uh, long-term safety you know we've it, it's hard to really kind of gauge how that is because i mean we've these companies have developed a vaccine now in seven months so it's hard to really get sort of what that long-term safety looks like and yeah. you know, actually ones out now, at least uh, the first to roll out are the mRNA vaccines, which there, I don't believe there have been any of those vaccines prior, uh, which, you know, is, I think it's a new way to do it. I think it will long-term be uh, proven safe and effective, but until we actually see that, we won't know. Uh, and then those are just, you know, two of the first ones, but I mean, there's probably hundreds of other vaccines in the pipeline. So, I think certainly 
by the middle of next year, I think we'll probably have a large uh, population of people, hopefully, you know, within the U.S. vaccinated and, you know, how that uh, logistically works out into the rest of the world. I think there's certainly a, a very concerted effort between pharmaceutical companies, governments, in order to kind of collectively put this together. So, mm -hmm. I mean, really, I would just give my hats off to the biotech and pharmaceutical companies who have made this work in such a short period of time. I mean, frankly, it's it's amazing and staggering, uh, isn't it? Staggering, and, just how 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 fast it's all happened. Yeah, and. You know, I think, you know, that innovation along with the technology is really just kind of given us a little bit of comfort, um, you know, because everyone's just hoping for the vaccine one day uh, to come out. And I think that day is now sooner rather than later. So hopefully, you know, on the, the, the prophylactic side, it's there. I think the treatment options are better. But, you know, I think one thing that we can do collectively is just, you know, stay distant, wear masks. And, you know, that really can do a lot. Uh, to curb some of the infection rates that we're seeing. Sure. Look, I guess moving on from that, I mean, what are your thoughts on what's in store for us um, in the world of clinical research? And, you know, as, as we head into to 2021, and what's in store for, for you guys at, Sila at Silera as well? You know, it'd be interesting to hear what your plans, whether there's going to be continued expansion, how the investments go. I mean, what's, what's, the, the, gen what's, the, what's the future looking like uh, 2021 for clinical research and, and for yourselves, uh, Chris. Yeah, thanks for asking. So we're we're putting together an animal model uh, trial here at USF at the beginning of next year. Hmm. So we've developed a new uh, a number of new psychedelic analogs, and we obviously want to start those in animals before uh, you know progressing into clinical research. Hmm. Uh, so we're going to dose a number of these compounds into mice and look for general safety profiles, look at some of the behavioral aspects. One of the, our goals too is to try to keep the serotonin activity, but mm. use some of the psychoactivity, uh, which is predominantly focused on the serotonin uh, 5-HT2A receptor. Mm. So what you can do with a rodent model is if you dose it, uh, the rodent with a psychedelic compound, the mouse will twitch its head uh, a number of times, and that's a pretty good model now for psychoactivity. So right. we're hoping with some of these new compounds to reduce some of the head twitch, which would give us a little bit more of an idea of uh, whether these compounds would uh, reduce some of their psychoactivity. Mm. We're also looking at um, alcohol reduction in some of these mice uh, throughout the study. And we're also looking at basically the full plethora of serotonin receptors because we do believe it's not just a single compound and a single target within the serotonin receptors. Uh, very rarely works that way with the serotonin system. So throughout this uh, initial stage, we're gonna be doing uh, kind of some lead development uh, with some of these new chemical entities. And um, you know, really a new development in the last couple of months for us is we've developed a new uh, delivery method for dimethyltryptamine. And uh, we're striking up a partnership with another leading university to actually do a phase one uh, clinical trial at the end of next year. So this is really exciting for us. Uh, this compound has a long history of use uh, on the safety side. And uh, we're really now starting to see some of the therapeutic benefits long-term for this. And we believe uh, this compound could be useful for uh, cognitive disorders like dementia and Alzheimer's disease. So we're going to be looking at some, some early endpoints in that study and really excited for some of the data to come over the next uh, you know, 12 to 24 months. 
Wow. No, it sounds like there's a lot planned out um, or planned out for you guys and all going well. Yeah, it could be some exciting stuff ahead uh, for you guys at Solera, right? That's the goal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're really at the, the forefront of an emerging field. And, you know, like you said, we are two scientists, so we are focused on the science. And, you know, there's there's a lot of other, um, you know, sort of the the at home use, the the, the recreational use. I, I don't particularly like that term, but, you know, for people wanting to do that sort of thing. And, you know, I think at this point in time, I think the world kind of needs a little bit of happiness let's just say. So, um, you know, we hope to, to play our part in, in kind of producing that and working alongside some of the other companies, competitors within the space, because I think collectively it is going to take a, uh, a concerted effort upon all of us to kind of change the stigma around mental health, around these compounds. And, you know, we're just really happy to be part of this movement. Amazing stuff. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear how it all goes. You have to keep us uh, and our listeners updated you know I'll, I'll keep in touch with you um via linkedin but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on on the show uh interesting to hear how you got into the the world of um science to start with and, and your journey along with uh jackie's over the years um but look, before i do let you go um it'd just be interesting to, to hear i guess what you would be doing if you hadn't perhaps gone down this path i mean what are your your interest um outside of the world of science and pharmaceuticals because you know one thing that i've certainly noticed with the world of pharma over the the recent weeks has been just yeah, normal personalities coming on sharing videos you know even um the ceo of pfizer announcing the, the way they announced it, it was just quite personal and down to earth so you know tell us about what you do outside of the world of, of science and, and pharma well, actually, I know you're based in London, so I'm a very big soccer or football fan, as you call it over there. And uh, I certainly <laughs> might get into soccer and football, hey? <laughs> but yes, yes, so big soccer fan, right? Oh, yeah, I won't miss an Arsenal match. Uh, you know, I know there's a crazy time change, so I'm certainly a big soccer fan. So I, I keep in the loop with that, you know, trying to stay active. Uh, that's another big part of, you know, I think physical as well as mental health. Mm. So you know, I had a gym membership. So now I've got a home office that I've converted into sort of a, you know, an at-home gym. So nice. that kind of keeps me, uh, you know, active and focused. So, you know, along, along with kind of trying to keep interactions with my friends and, you know, making safe ways to do that, whether it be on the golf course or outdoor gatherings, thankfully in Florida, we're generally blessed with pretty good weather year round. So we're able mm -hmm. to do some of those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, just trying to stay mentally sharp, reading a lot of books. Uh, there's certainly a lot on the business front to keep my mind occupied. So, um, you know, just happy to be healthy and, you know, um, yeah, I think I'm very blessed, uh, you know, for some of the, the opportunities and, you know, for my friends and family to, to be healthy and happy during this time as well. Fantastic. Well, it's great to hear. And yeah, I guess you almost yeah, an advocate of, of what you're trying to achieve is yeah, a, a good, well-rounded life, you know, balance, you know, you're, you've got your academic and science side of things, but you're also active physically um, and watching things like soccer, just keeping, keeping yourself, you know, uh, giving yourself a diverse set of activities to, to keep you, you sane, particularly throughout these, these tough times for us all. So, Chris, look, once again, thanks very much for coming on to the Huxley Morrison podcast and do keep us updated. Uh, with how things go uh, as you move into 2021. Certainly. Thank you, James. You are welcome.